agents for Christ. A lot of people thought we were crazy. The call was simple, to go out into the United States and share the gospel and encourage people, other people to do the same. And me and my, my wife and her sister and her husband, four adults, four kids, two motorhomes, we sold everything and we traveled the country sharing the gospel for four years. And then when, at the least likely opportunity, when I would have less, least expected it to happen, God sent us to Uganda. You know, it's funny how God works. You think, you know, he, you think you have a plan and this is how it's going to happen and this is the way the, our ministry is going or our, my life is going. And then all of a sudden, phew, God flips it all upside down. Amen? And well, our job, all of our jobs, is to seek God with all of our hearts. Desire to hear his voice. Desire to hear him through his word. And he speaks to you in many ways, but he speaks to the living, active word of God. Amen? He wants to speak to you tonight. He wants to speak to you, and our job is to seek him, desire to hear from him, and whatever he says, just obey, amen? It's the truth where God guides, he provides. Where God is, when he tells you what to do, and you're following him, he, it's his, he takes care of all the details, amen? So I'm going to run a quick video. It's only one minute. It's a quick overview. I had a, long, a video, a long video before, and people were falling asleep, so I made it exciting. One minute, so don't blink. One minute video real quick about the ministry. Serving God is exciting. Serving God is exciting. And you know, for after four years of traveling the United States, me and Dave Chafee, his dad is here. Amen. Don, stand up for a second. It's Don Chafee. Don, Don came to Africa to serve with us uh, and lived in a tent with us for three months when we first went to this new, to plant the church in western Uganda. Don't let ever, anybody ever tell you you're too young or too old to serve Jesus. Amen. And he's coming back again, hopefully, in, in January to come and do more work for us. But we traveled for four years, and then all of a sudden, God said, you're going to Uganda. And it was very clear, clear directing of the Lord to go to Uganda. My ministry partner continues to do Agents for Christ in the United States real quick. His, through the, you, know, you don't expect what God's going to do. Part of the ministry that God raised up through Agents for Christ in America was the Evangelism Minute. We have CDs. We have a table back there. These are CDs. It's 30 different Evangelism Minutes. They're just a one-minute encouraging message to, to encourage you to live for Jesus and to share your faith. We have a bunch of them on the table. They're free. One of the other ministries that continues with Agents for Christ is just gospel tracks. It's called Got Tracks. The simple little tools to help share your faith. I'm going to show you this now because I'll forget later. We have a, this is a, a bookmark. It's a free gift we want to give all you guys just to remind you to pray for Uganda. But what happened is God sent us to Uganda and and uh, we didn't understand exactly what God was going to do in Uganda. I went there and was working, overseeing a Calvary Chapel orphanage in Uganda. 
when I was there, God showed me a clear need. As I walked outside the walls of the orphanage, I heard, the, again, the direction of God. And we took a step of faith, and we started the Uganda Kids Project. We started it with 20 families there in Kampala. And, you know, God is so amazing. As we've been ministering with those two, well, it's almost been three years now since we've started ministering with those families. But, you know, God's so powerful. He transforms your life from the inside out in such a powerful way that you look different. I mean, I see the picture of those families and the kids. They just glow Jesus. And all we've been doing is teaching them the word of God and loving them week after week. Amen. I look at the pictures from when we first started working with these 20 families, uh, about 80 children, 20 families there in Kampala. And God is so powerful. All glory goes to him. He, they look different. I mean, I just, I'm blown away at the power. I mean, I shouldn't be blown away. I should expect it. Amen. Shouldn't we expect that the word of God will change lives? But it's so cool to me to see those lives and these kids and their just completely lives are being transformed. And two years ago, I traveled, I came, I never made it to this church, but two years ago, I was here in America as we'd worked with those 20 families, and God directed us through a miraculous, clear directing of his spirit to go to a place in western Uganda, six hours away, and start a second project. And we traveled and shared the vision to go there and plant a Calvary Chapel in this small village in western Uganda, where I discovered that no white person had ever lived I didn't ever really believe that those kind of places still exist, but where God led us, I'm the very first white man that's ever lived there. And when we had our first, v- we went there, we lived in tents for three months, and we began building a mission center, as you saw quickly in that picture. It's about a 6,000 foot, square foot mission center on the hill. It's a church and a, a team visiting room, teams for visitors, and our home. We all live in that one building. And uh, as we began to minister to the families, and with the very first event in that, in that building, was a VBS, and 900 children came. We were expecting 300, and 900 children came. I discovered that 1,000 children live within walking distance of our mission center. As we began to continue to, to do you know, Bible studies, women's Bible study, men's Bible studies, Sundays, church services, God began to do a work. We began to see people getting saved. We started a recovery group for alcoholics. It's hard to believe that people would be so poor that you wake up every morning, you go to work just to make enough money to feed your family one meal, and then the people, the fathers are going out to make money. Instead of coming back and buying food for their kids, they go and buy alcohol. We're seeing a huge fruit out of that recovery ministry. It's called Builders for Christ. But as we began to minister to these in this community out in the bush in western Uganda, God led us to 60 families that have nothing. They're so poor, they have nothing. And their kids have no hope of ever going to school without help. And it wasn't our plan to build a school. I, uh, that was my last plan. But you know what? Tell God your plans. And uh, you know, what did it say? Make him laugh. Tell God your plans if you want to hear him laugh. Well, it was very clear that we were supposed to start a school. So we took a step of faith. As we watched God build the whole mission center, we took a step of faith. We didn't have the money. We just started building. And I, I praise God as we, we stand here today, the, the school's actually done. I thought I was going to have to you know, expect God to raise the money while I was traveling. The building of school, God already did it. Amen? And because of where we are, the only way we can have a good school is hiring teachers from Kampala. We're building a dorms for them to stay. Anyway, running a school is expensive. And to minister to these children, we're going to be able to minister to these kids every day for, their, for many, many, many years. And I believe God's going to do an amazing work and raise up many, many pastors and we've already seen a huge work as we've been there for a year and a half ministering to these kids, 162 kids, 80, 60 families. But we need your help. 
It's just that simple. Most of all, I ask you to pray. I Please take one of these things, put it in your Bible. I still have a one from a long time ago when a mission team gave it to me. I keep it in my Bible. The mission team came and went, but it reminded me to pray for them. It's just a simple bookmark. Pray for us, please. Prayer works. As you know, you, how many women were here? 22 women praying, right? Why did you gather to pray? Because God hears our prayers, amen? We have to serve a good God who loves us and wants to hear us, amen? So we please pray for us. And if God moves on your heart to support, sponsor a child for a dollar a day, you can actually transform a life. And you know what? We purposely, I really take stewardship in very seriously. Every missionary that is there working with me, their, sponsor, their own support has to be raised separately. My support's kept separately. So the money that's given for these children goes to the children, their family, or the, that community. Amen? So I ask you to pray. However God would move on your heart to be involved, please. But most of all, please pray. Amen? This evening, I wanted to look at this together. Before, I, before we're going to be in Luke chapter 8, we're going to begin. But I wanted, I wanted to share something about the word of God. This book is the very words of God, amen? This should be the most valuable thing you own. This book is living and active and powerful. When, the first time that I opened the Bible and God spoke to me, and he, it, like the words came alive, I was like, I want more of you, Lord. I want to hear from you again, Amen? And tonight, as we open the Bible, you should expect to hear from God. Every word is true, and every promise is for you tonight. So tonight, before we go any farther, I'm going to pray. But you should expect that God's going to speak to you. But your job is to seek God with all your heart, to desire to hear his voice, to hear him, and then obey, amen? Following God's will is the best thing for your life. And he wants to direct every one of your lives because he loves you. He's good. He proved his, his goodness by sending his son to die for us. Amen. Where I'm at, in the, it's the Ankoli tribe. The, it's a dialect of Swahili. It's called Runyonkoli. And in that language, let's pray is katu shabe. Katu shabe. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this church and the miracles that you're doing here. I pray you'd continue to raise up workers for the harvest here in Virginia. And Lord, I pray you'd continue to do a great work in and through this body. And Lord God, I pray you'd give them wisdom of where to go, where, where it is to cast the nets, where to reach out. But Lord God, you receive all the glory for everything, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for each person here tonight. I pray that you'd speak to them, that they would hear your voice and they would obey. Knowing, God, your will is perfect and you are in control of all things. And most of all, we want you to be glorified tonight by everything that's said and everything that's done. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So Luke 8 is where we're going to look at. Three stories, three examples of people and how their lives were transformed by Jesus. Amen. And I was thinking about this. You know, the Bible says that God is love. Actually, it's the very nature of God. God, it says in 1 John 4, 8, God is love. It's his very nature. He is love. And because of his love, his nature, he proved it by sending his son because he loved us. Amen? But I was thinking about the desire of God. What is the desire of the heart of God? It is love. And because of his love, Paul told Timothy, God desires that all men everywhere should be saved. Amen? God wants to save us. And I, I hope as you're sitting here tonight, you say, hallelujah, Jesus saved me, amen? That should make you happy. I am saved. I have heaven as my home. My hope is in heaven in Jesus, amen? Peter said basically the same thing. 
2 Peter 3, 9, he said, God is long-suffering or patient, desiring that no one should perish, but all should come to repentance. All men should be saved. Amen? You know, Jesus said the exact same thing. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. It's the desire of God, the heart of God to save because of his nature is love. Amen? And that's a good thing. I know it's an amazing truth that God wants to use us in his work. He wants to work through us, that we get to be involved in what God is doing. And it shouldn't be this, oh, I have to do this. Oh, VBS, I got to go do a VBS again. You should pray, if that's your heart, whatever the ministry God's called you to, pray that God would give you love and God would give you compassion for people. Because we all have those trials, amen? We all struggle. Many, I mean, I didn't really have time to think about it tonight. I'm happy to be here. But many times I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I wanted to sleep. You know, what, what do we have to do? Pray, God, help me. Give me your spirit. I want, I, I, I can't believe I get to serve you. Amen? So we all need to pray that God would give us love and God would give us compassion. But he wants to use us. Amen? We're going to look at these three examples. I pray is, you know, Paul told the Corinthians, he said that all the Bible, all the examples in the Bible were for our teaching. And I pray that God would speak to you tonight and would teach you. And he would change you. Amen? And you desire to be used by him. The first story is in Luke 8, 26. A demon-possessed man. Luke 8, beginning in verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in the house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and, allowed, and fell down before him with a loud voice, said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, and he had broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Our first example is a man filled with demons. And we don't know anything else about this man but what's written you know, in the Gospels in here, what Luke wrote down about this guy, and it is not good, amen? Think about it. Think about this guy's life, how horrible this is. He, what do we know about him here? We see he, he'd been this way for a long time. He didn't wear any clothes. He ran around naked. He didn't live in a house. He lived in the tombs, probably caves with where they buried bodies. What, he, he was completely controlled by the devil. I believe that it was a demon speaking through him. Amen? Completely controlled by the enemy, by the demons. He, they tried to bind him. He was probably completely out of control. They tried to bind him with chains and shackles, but he was strong. The demons gave him strength. He was able to break them. He ran around crazy in the wilderness. Amen? Driven mad by the demons. What a mess. Any of you know anybody like that? Maybe there's somebody in your family that you think there's no hope for them. There's no possible way. Maybe there's somebody you see in the city living on the streets that there's no hope for them. You know, I can relate with this guy more than anybody else. Though I was never filled with demons, I allowed demons to enter me. Every time I smoked dope or did drugs, drank alcohol, I was messing around with demonic forces. Amen? Pharmacia. Sorcery, it's you, allowing drugs is allowing the devil to enter you. That's what I was doing. And the devil took complete control of me through drugs and alcohol. You know, like I said, maybe you, you know somebody like this. You know what? I'm sure for many years people said there was no hope for me. But in God's perfect timing, he saved me. Amen? 
you know, I want to warn you tonight. If you're sitting here tonight, there's two people that know everything about you. You know everything about you, and Jesus knows everything about you. God knows everything about you. And if you are playing around with sin, pornography, some type of ungodly relationship, I don't know, any type of sin, if you're playing around with it, thinking that you're in control and that you can control your life and that you're okay, I want to warn you. When I first started drinking alcohol, I remember clearly when I smoked marijuana the first time and drank alcohol that, oh, I'm in control. I, I can do this just once. If you give the devil an inch, it will take a mile. Please, I'm begging you. God knows already. He already knows what you're doing. If you're involved in sin, repent. Cry out to him. He will hear your cries. He will forgive your sins, and he will give you new life. He will transform you from the inside out. But you have to come to him. And this man met Jesus. And the thing that stood out to me as I was reading it is he recognized who Jesus was. Jesus, the son of the most high God. Do you understand who Jesus is? He is God, the most high. And when you, I recognize that it changed my life forever. And this guy's life was a mess, but he met Jesus. In verse 30, Jesus asked him, saying, what is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him, and they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain, so they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. You know, it wasn't just one demon. It was a whole legion, many. They know their place. The devil and his demons know exactly where they're going, the abyss. In Uganda, they call it the Gehenna. That's the word in their language. It's hell. It's where they're going. They want to take as many people with them, as many souls with them as they can. And they had, you see something else. They had to ask Jesus permission, Amen. God is in control of everything. And they asked, they begged him, and he permitted them. And they went from causing violence in the man to causing violence in the pigs and ran into the lake and drowned. And those people that saw that, I'm like, sure they, sure they were just blown away, like, wow, what just happened? In verse 40 through, 40, 34, when those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then, went, then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. I mean, what an amazing miracle. You know, verse 36 says, Then also who had seen it told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed. Now they're testifying about what happened, that Jesus healed this man. And wouldn't you think that they would want more of Jesus? They're like, come with us. We want, come to my house. Come, we want more of you. We want to talk to you. We want to spend time with you. We want your touch from you too. Amen? You remember the day when Jesus first touched you? I remember. Greatest day of my life. I was free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I walked in that, my pastor's office dead in my sins. I was like walking into hell and Jesus pulled me out. And all I had to do was hold out my hand. He grabbed and pulled me out of the pit. You should remember that day. If you don't have joy, you should really seek God that God would restore your joy, the joy of your salvation, amen? These people, I can just imagine this man, he'd been crazy and in, I, what kind of chaos he lived and they'd all known him, amen? He'd been like this for a long time. Think of the problems he caused in that community. And now they find him, what? Sitting at the feet of Jesus, wearing clothes and in his right mind, meaning he was totally normal. And wouldn't you think they would be like, come, we want, we, want more, we want to know you too. We want to be touched by you. But verse 36, or verse 37, then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. 
They basically said, go away. They saw this amazing miracle. They saw the proof of who he was, the power of God, and they said, go away. We don't want God. And you know, that's true. And it's today. Many people you'll talk to about Jesus. Maybe you've been trying to share your faith with your family member or your coworker or somebody in your neighborhood. They don't want, many people don't want to hear about it. You know, that's not our job. Our job is just to live for Christ, share our faith, and let God do the rest. Amen? And many people have a God these days that they don't want the one true God. There's only one God, amen? There is only one God. But in this world, in the United States and across the world, people have a God It's called money. And their money, they're so, their money's taking care of them. And they think, oh, I don't need anything else because I'm good. You know, I'm fed, i am got a nice house, nice car, I'm comfortable. I was out sharing the gospel on the streets in the South a few years ago, and I handed a million-dollar bill track. It was in here. It fell out. Anyway, here it is. Handed a guy a million-dollar bill track, and he took He goes, oh, I already got a million dollars. And he goes on to tell me about all his money. And I said, I'm sure your money is making you happy today, but what's your money going to do for you when you die? And his face went ghostly white blank because he recognized, and he was an old man. He rec- he, I, I know God used that in that guy's life. Sometimes, God, you know, God will give you the right words. Just you be bold. But the reality is, is money can't do anything for you. The abundant life that Jesus, I mean, it can do stuff for you now, but it cannot save you or do anything for you in eternity. Only Jesus can save, amen? You know, the abundant life is a life with Christ. The rest is just existing. And these guys were probably Jewish. I mean, they didn't care about God. They weren't supposed to have pigs. They had pigs, which was the most foul animal. And now they just saw their, their money in, go in the water. And they cared more about the pigs than they did the man. But verse 38, now the man. What about this man? Now the man from, where the, from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. I can just imagine this guy. He was now free. I know what it was like because I felt that. I was free. And all he wanted to do was go with Jesus. He begged him, may I go with you? You know, maybe you've wanted to do something, go somewhere, had a, a ministry plan or an idea of where you thought God was sending you and God, or where you wanted to go and God said no. Amen? Well, God does, makes no mistakes. God's will is perfect, amen? And sometimes God doesn't always give us what we want. He always gives us what we need, amen? And this man wanted to go with Jesus. He had a different plan for him, and he told him what to do, amen? He wanted to do one thing. He begged him to go with him, to be with him, amen? What did Jesus say? No. He said, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. He heard God speak, the Son of God speak. What was his choice? Obey. What did he do? He obeyed. He went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. And can you imagine the power of that man's testimony? They probably saw him coming. They're like getting ready to run or flee, hide from this guy. And wait, he's different. Something different about him today. And what did he say? His actions were different. He was different. They saw a change in his outward appearance. He was wearing clothes. He was different, changed by the power of God. And what did he do with his words? He said, he told what great things God had done for him. You know what? That's exactly what God wants you to do today, all of us. It's our testimony. Our testimony is not just our words. I once heard a guy say to his kids, don't do what I do, do what I say. Nonsense. Your kids are watching what you do. 
And if what you do and what you say are different, you're a hypocrite. I was one, so I can say that. I was for a long time. You know what? Our testimony is more than just words. It's our life. As you spend time with Jesus day by day, he will fill you with his spirit, and he will, you will shine Jesus Christ, and you won't even know it. But people will see it, amen? My wife, uh, at age 18, used to be a, a partier and a drinker. She worked at a restaurant with a girl named Dina. And every day she went to work and she said, something's different about Dina. The way Dina acted, the way she talked, just something, she saw something in Dina. And she said, whatever that girl has, I want it. She per- pursued a friendship with Dina and Dina led her to Christ. Because she said, what's different about me is Jesus, amen? And that's what God wants to do in and through your life. That people are drawn to Jesus by how you live and by what you do. And we can't do it alone. That's why we, we cannot do what God calls us to do on our own. We need his spirit. We need the, his spirit to empower us to do what he's calling us to do. But as you walk with Jesus, abide with Jesus, he will fill you with his spirit, empower you over sin, and he will shine through you. And when people are drawn to Jesus through your life, point them and say, it's Jesus that does, did this. Jesus saved me. Jesus will save you with our words. Amen. Our testimony is our life. And our words, they, when they match, amen? Exactly this man. They saw a difference, and he said great things that God has done. Our first example, a man filled with demons. I consider him to be, a, today, somebody filled with sin, like, like I was. Filled with sin, controlled by sin. The second example, verse 43, down a few, Luke 8, beginning of verse 43. This is a woman who had a disease. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. Now think about this. We don't know anything else about this woman. All we know is bad, at least at this point. And I had a cut for like 12 seconds, and I was crying to Janice for a Band-Aid. This girl lady's been bleeding for 12 years. Bleeding makes you weak, amen? So she was weak. She'd been bleeding for a long time. 12 years is a long time. Well, she had spent all her money on doctors and could not be healed by any. But I want you to know that her problems were probably much deeper than this because she was most likely Jewish. Because she was bleeding, she was unclean. Everywhere she t- sat would be unclean. Everything she touched was unclean. She couldn't go to the temple. She couldn't worship God. She couldn't go offer sacrifices. She was like a leper. And can you imagine how hopeless she was? And I could just hear her say, oh, Lord, why did you let this happen to me? Why me? Why am I going through this? I heard a story of a boy, I actually met him in California a couple of weeks ago, at age 15, uh, the doctors told me he had a brain tumor, he was going to die, or most likely he would die, a huge brain tumor, the only chance to save him was to operate, but they said most likely in the operation you'll die because of the size of the brain tumor. At age 15, could you imagine hearing that news, you have a brain tumor, all your dreams and hopes and futures now washed away because you're like you're going to die. Looks like you're going to die. And I can imagine that boy would have probably been very angry. Actually, he said he was angry. You know what? He was a Christian, and he made a choice. He said, I belong to Jesus. My life is Jesus's. I gave my life to him when I got saved, and I'm going to continue to serve him. Everywhere he went, he proclaimed that he belonged to Jesus, that he didn't care. If he died, he belonged to Jesus. He went to the doctor. He said, I belong to Jesus. It's okay. If I die, it's okay because I'm going to be with Jesus. Before he was going into the operating room expecting to die, he proclaimed that I belong to Jesus. And no matter what happens to me, I'm okay because if Jesus saved me, amen? His whole family got saved through through his testimony. 
because he decided to choose, he chose to trust Jesus in the difficult times. And you know what? Sometimes God uses, he tests us to see, are we going to be faithful? He uses those situations to draw us to him. And I've grown the most in the hardest times. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're going through some kind of sickness or you have a disease and you're wondering why. I want you to know that God has the power to heal you. He can heal you. The reality is it's his will whether he chooses to heal you or not. But our job is to seek him no matter what. One day in heaven, we'll all be healed. One day, we will all be healed. And one day, we'll see Jesus face to face. There'll be no more suffering, no more pain, no more sickness, no more death. We'll be with Jesus forever. You know, whatever God takes you through, he doesn't promise to make your life perfect. He doesn't promise to make your life rich. He promises to be with you no matter what you're going through. And it's your job is to seek him with all your heart and trust him no matter what comes. It doesn't mean it's easy, but he promises to never leave you and never forsake you. And it's through those hard times when God's glorified the most. Paul said the exact same thing to the Romans. In Romans 14, 8, he said, if I live, I live to the Lord. And if I die, I die to the Lord. Whether I live or whether I die, I belong to the Lord. Amen? And that's the heart God wants us to have. Because the Bible promises that if you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, to be a Christian, you will suffer persecution. Troubles are going to come. They will come. And if you're only trusting Jesus because your life's going good and everything's perfect and you're healthy and happy, you're in big trouble. Because he doesn't promise that. But he does promise to never leave you and never forsake you. He's going to be with you and he'll use whatever you go through. And one day you will all, will all be healed no matter what God takes you through. And what your job is is to seek him with all your heart. Desire to hear his voice and, and obey whatever he says. You know that boy? God healed him. He healed him. He lived. And you know what? Still, he still serves Jesus. Today, he's a youth pastor. God calls us all to serve him. And you might not understand what God's doing in your life today. You might not understand things that are going on. Maybe a family member. I don't know. But I know this, that God is in control. And he hears our prayers. And he loves us. And it says he works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to our, his purpose. Your job is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and follow him in everything. He'll, do, he'll work it all out for good, amen? And I can imagine this woman as she, her life was bad. You know, in verse 44, I can just imagine as she heard about this man, Jesus, I guarantee nothing was gonna keep her from him because she knew he had the power to heal Verse 44, she came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Jesus knows any, everything. He knows everything. He is God in the flesh. He knew that his power had went out. He knew that somebody had been healed. He knew. And this woman, verse 47, now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, falling down before him, and she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reasons she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. I mean, can you imagine the joy as she fell before Jesus? She was healed. Amen. She praised God. I can just imagine her joy. You know how I can imagine it? Because he healed me. He healed you. If you're saved here today, he healed you from the greatest sickness you'll ever have, sin. He healed you and saved you from death in hell. And you should fall before him tonight, 
worship him every day of your life because of who God is, amen? We should worship and follow Jesus because of who he is, not for what he will do for us. In Revelation, it says, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wisdom and riches and honor and glory. Jesus deserves your worship because he's God. And when you worship God for God because he's God, then you understand and you see him and you have an experience with him and you're touched by him as you follow him. It doesn't matter. He'll he know. You've got nowhere else to go but Jesus. He has the words of life. Amen? As this woman fell before him in worship, verse 48, he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. We don't really know anything else about this woman, but we know that he said, Go in peace. I, I believe with all my heart that the rest of her life, she had one name on her lips, the name of Jesus. Amen? Because when you're touched by a living God, he will change everything about you. And she was touched. She touched Jesus. He recognized in her testimony, she came to Jesus. We all must come to him. And anyone who comes to me won't chase you away. It says, whoever comes to me, I will no wise cast out. I will not turn you away. We need to come with Jesus continually all day long. It says, pray without ceasing. Prayer is an act of faith coming to Jesus. You can live your life in peace as you live your life with Jesus. Amen. He never leaves you and he never forsakes you. The next example, turn to Luke 5, verse 1. It's a group of men. The disciples, these were just everyday guys, you know, doing life, doing work, going home, just living their life. But their life was about to be changed by Jesus. Luke 5, 1. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from their nets and were wa- gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. There's such a huge crowd, he can't even, he can't even stand on the shore. He goes out a little bit in the boat, so, and all the crowd is on the shore. I can just imagine him teaching them, Amen. We have his teachings here, amen. The word of God is Jesus speaking to you. He wants to speak to you just as he spoke to that crowd that day. And it says, when he had stopped, verse four, speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. I mean, Peter was a fisherman. In those days, what your father did, your family did, that was your job, amen. Peter and these guys, they were all fishermen. They knew their job, and they did it well. Even though they caught nothing that day, they lived, there was their livelihood. Now Jesus says, go out into the deep. Do something completely different, completely different than what you normally do. Amen? And what is Peter's answer? He has a choice. Amen? He, he knows master. He knew who Jesus was. Master, we've toiled all night, but caught nothing, but nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the nets. He obeyed. Amen? He heard God speak. Heard Jesus speak, the son of God. He said, okay, I'll obey. You know, maybe something's going on in your life today. Maybe God's calling you to do something or go somewhere and it makes no sense. You're like, I don't understand what you're, te- what you're doing, Lord, what you're calling me to do or why this is happening. Again, our job is to seek God with all of our heart, desire to hear from him and do what he says, amen? His will is perfect. When I went to Uganda the first time, I went with a group of, a, a, an established ministry with a group of missionaries that were going to set me and my family up in this orphanage. When God called us this last time to go back to Uganda two years ago, I was going back to a, a village six hours in the middle of nowhere in a hill with nothing on it. But I just trusted God because I heard him. I heard his call. 
And as God guides, God provides. And I trusted him. I had faith. But you know what? My faith was tested. As I, we landed on the ground, drove six hours across the bumpy roads, and these guys know all about the bumpy roads, down the dirt and the dust, out to the, this dirt road, out to this hill. And that time, there was, no, there was nothing. The path wasn't even there anymore. The path had been grown over, going, trying to get my way to the hill, through getting jabbed in the stickers in my you know, tall grass. It was like, ah, what's going on? I'm trying to get on, to the, actually just get on the property. Walked to the top of the hill, and I'm like, as I stood there, I tell you the truth, I was scared to death. <laughs> I was very scared. I mean, my greatest fear is to believe that I'm following God, to do what I think God is telling me to do, and then when I get there, I find out it wasn't God guiding me. It was just my stupid idea, amen? And as I stood on that hill, I was afraid that I'd brought my family there to die. I mean, I'm like, what have I done? And our plan was to live in tents for three months as we tr trusted God to provide the money to build the mission center. And there wasn't even a flat spot on the hill to put the tents. As I stood on that hill, I had a choice. I chose faith. I prayed. And God reminded me of some stuff that he'd done and many things that he'd done to lead us to get to that place. And that night, we were planning to stay in a hotel that night. It was about 45 minutes away, and we went to that hotel, and all night long, next door to the hotel was a bar, and they were loud music all night. And I didn't sleep at all. As I laid there in the bed worrying, God reminded me of a verse. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. I laid there afraid, and I chose to trust God, and I began to pray. I began to pray, continued to pray all night, woke up in the morning, went back tired, went back to the hill. We're trying to put up our tents, we're trying to dig a spot so we can get our tents somehow level. A man walks up to me and says, I know the guys that are working on the work crew down there by the main road, and they want to come help you. Heavy, heavy machinery operator wants to come help. Five hours later, the machine had driven up there, cleared a driveway all the way to the top of the hill, cleared the level, the top level, and the next day we were digging the foundation. Amen. With God, all things are possible. And there's nothing special about me and my wife. We're just normal people, just like you. And God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above what you can ever ask or think through the power of his spirit that lives in all of us, amen, if we'll just trust him with all of our heart. And that's what Peter was, he didn't understand it. You don't have to understand what God's doing. That's faith. He's not, you're not going to understand it. True faith is not knowing what's going to happen, but just trusting God, amen? Peter didn't understand, but he said, okay, Lord, I will do it. At your word, I'll let down the nets. Verse 6, when they had done this, they would have obeyed, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. Verse 10, And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. They saw this amazing miracle by obedience. They obeyed God. They obeyed the words of Jesus. And they had a great catch. And Peter had seen God. He saw the miracle. He recognized that Jesus, what Jesus' power, what Jesus had done, who Jesus was, who Jesus is. Amen. Today, he's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He fell before him, recognizing who he was in the presence of deity. Jesus said, now I'm giving you another job. You're going to trust me. You have a new job now. From now on, do not be afraid. You're going to catch men. 
And what was their, their, what's their job? Seek God with all their heart, desire to hear from him and obey. That's the same for us today. What did they do? Verse 11, so when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. And I want you to know that today that just what they did, they left everything is exactly what God wants you to do in your hearts today. He's calling for you to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him. He may not call you to leave everything and go to Africa. He may not call you to live in a motor home or to go to a, another country. But where he has you today, he wants you to live for him. He wants in your heart to forsake everything else, cast out all sin, cast out all idols, and let Jesus have his rightful place as Lord of your life. Amen? But Jesus said, if whoever wants to follow me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. And Jesus is saying that exact same thing today that he wants, he's looking for people who will trust him, have, live the abundant life by not living for self, but denying self, willing to go through anything for him. Exactly what they did is what God calls us to do today in our hearts. Be willing to go anywhere, do anything as God guides, amen? And as God guides, he will take care of you, he will provide. We don't know what happened with a man I believe, you know, everywhere he went, he was a testimony of God's power and healing power. This woman, I believe everywhere she went, she proclaimed the name of Jesus. These guys, though, they met Jesus, they left everything, and they followed Jesus. Let's turn to Luke 9.1 as we finish, bring this to a conclusion. We know what happened with these guys. Luke 9.1. They'd been with him for a time. They'd, taught it, they'd been taught by him, by, led by him. Now they're sent out by him. They were trained up. Now it's time to be sent out. Then he called the 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He gave them two jobs. He told them what to do. to Go out and preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. I want you to know that those exact same jobs are what God is calling the church to do today. Preach the kingdom of God. That's preach the gospel. How do we preach the gospel? The greatest way you can preach the gospel is with your life. That through your life, that people see Jesus in how you live. That they see Jesus in you, amen? And it's not something you can manufacture. It's a miracle. As you spend time with Jesus in prayer, seeking him with all your heart, his spirit will fill you and he will shine through you. You cannot manufacture this. It's only a miracle of God as you abide. Jesus said, abide in me. He said, if you, without, apart from me, you can do nothing. So we walk with Jesus. He fills us and he, people, he will shine. And with your words... Proclaim that Jesus is the one who saved you. He told them to preach the kingdom of God, exactly what he's calling us to do today. He told them to go heal the sick. Like I said earlier, greatest sickness that we all were healed from, if you're saved tonight, is the sickness of sin and death. And he wants to work in that, in, your, in and through your life, to see other people get healed. Amen. You may never see the blind see or the blame walk, but you can see a greater miracle than that today. As you live for Jesus, obey him, desire to live for him with all your heart. Share your faith. And through your life, as you go out into the world, as you live for Christ, see people come to Christ, turn from their sins and trust in Jesus, you've seen the greatest miracle you'll ever see. A dead person in their sins, alive because of Jesus Christ. Amen. He wants to do that work through you. He's calling you to forsake all and follow him. He's not sending you alone. It's just as he sent them, he said he gave them two things. He gave them power and authority, amen? You know, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of each of us tonight. It's available to you tonight. The same power. 
message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us, it's the power of God, the cross, where we, Jesus died and his blood was shed to save us from our sins. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be what? To be my witnesses. Jesus wants to empower you to be his witnesses today. If you will forsake, if you will forsake all and follow him, he will give you the power to do what he calls you to do. Says the same, he gave them authority. We have the same authority today. Jesus says, go. It's already been commanded. Go into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And what does it say? It's a command to all of us. What does it say? He says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus gave you authority. As a child of God, you have the authority of, as a son of God, as a daughter of God. He sent you as an ambassador for God to preach, to be an example and preach the gospel. Paul told the Colossians, whatever you do, do all with all your heart unto me. Amen. That's what God's calling us all to do today. Whatever you do, everything you do, do it with all your heart unto the Lord, not unto men. And these guys, they heard Jesus. They told them what to do. And at verse 6, they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. What God calls you to do, he empowers you to, to do it. He equips you to do it. Amen. And that what, just as he did for them, he will do for you. Amen. I'm not sure where God's calling you to go. I'm not sure what gifts you, what God has given you. I'm not sure exactly what God's going to do in your life. But this I know. God has given each person here in this room a gift or giftings that he gave to you to use for his glory. He's given them to you for him, to use for him. Many people waste their gifts on their own self. But God has given you the gifts to use for his glory. And God has given you his spirit to empower you. And God wants to use you. Today, he wants to use you. Where you are today is your life. It's not an accident. God doesn't make mistakes. He didn't put you in this place in Virginia by accident or mistake. God makes no mistakes. And where God has placed you today, in your friends, in your family, in your workers, your co-workers, in your neighbors, and everybody that you're around in your life, God has placed you in that place. That's the ministry he's given you today. As you're faithful in your ministry today, to live for Jesus, shine Jesus, and to share Jesus. God will do great things in and through you. As you're faithful where God has placed you today, to live for him, he will lead you to the next thing. But as you live your life day by day seeking Jesus, living by his power, living for his glory, you are in ministry. Your life is ministry. It's not, you don't have to, children's ministry is not, coming into this church is not your only ministry, though that's a great ministry. This is a great place to serve. You should serve here. There's many other opportunities in the community to serve in many different ministries all over the this city, I'm sure. But your ministry is much bigger than that. Your life is your ministry. God has given you life. He bought your life. He brought you back from the dead that you would live for him. I saw a little picture on a girl, on a little girl drew on the pastor's door. It says, Jesus died for me. I will live for him. And that's true. He gave you life. Not to live for yourself, but that you would live for him, amen. As you live for him day by day. When good things come, give him the glory. Every good thing in your life comes from God. It says in James, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights who never changes. Every good thing in your life is from him. And when something good happens tomorrow, you should stop and praise him, amen, because he brought it. And when trials come, stop and pray and ask him to help you because he's with you. He never leaves you. He'll never forsake you. 
as you walk through life day by day, moment by moment, living for Jesus, by his power, for his glory, you are living your ministry. It is your spiritual service. Amen. God has called us all into the ministry. Your life is the ministry he's given you. Go and live for him and watch him do great things. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for dying for us and giving us new life. Thank you for not leaving us alone, giving us your spirit to empower us. I thank you, Lord. God, you are good. And Lord, we don't know exactly what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow, and that's you. You're in control. Help us to trust you more. God, I pray each person here would hear your voice, that the ministry that you've given them, their life, that they would live for you. They would live their life totally sold out for you. They would forsake all and follow you. And Lord God, that you would empower them to be a witness for you. And God, that you would do great things in and through each person here, for you, all for your glory. And Lord, I pray for this church, Lord. God, you just continue to do, raise up workers, continue to bring people here, continue to, to see a great work. And Lord God, that until you come back, I pray that every person here would, would be living and serving you in the ministry you've given them. In Jesus' name. I want to share one last thing. I don't, I'm sure I went too long. I don't know what time you guys usually end. Sorry if I did. You know, when, Paul, when um, Peter caught all those fish, he called to his partners to come help. Amen? And I, I don't know all of you guys, I don't, but I, I know that we're partners because we're faith in Jesus. Amen? So we, we definitely ask that you to pray for us because, you know, what God's doing in Uganda is far too much for us, amen? But the body of Christ working together, all things are possible. So please pray. God moves on your heart. We have a table back there. Please come talk to us. But please join us in prayer as partners, amen? Yeah, I was thinking uh, as Pastor Bill was sharing, um, one month ago tonight, we had Adams Road here, October the 4th, tonight is November the 4th, and one of the things that Pastor Bill has in common with Micah, you should be able to see it, don't you? Because Jesus said, he whom is forgiven much, loves much, and again, you'll meet a lot of Christians in your lifetime, but you'll meet a few that just love the Lord more passionately than some other that you meet, and that's because they've never forgotten the value of their salvation. Or they recognized from day one its value, and other people d didn't quite understand just how much they've been forgiven. And Jesus said, some that for they know they've been forgiven much, and they love much. I mean, you're a narcotics officer in law enforcement that was actually abusing narcotics while a narcotics officer. And to come to realize that uh, just, had a, just had a profound impact. Obviously, the uh, the near-death experience of nearly having a gun go off in the head and just God using those things. But to this day, you know, when I see Bill or I see Micah or I see others, and, and really the Lord wants it to be every single person in here, that we would have such gratitude for our salvation that we would actually see the world through the eyes of Jesus. We would see our problems through the eyes of Jesus. You know, we, uh, just in the last three days, I was also thinking, you know, we started out Sunday morning, in Luke 18, where it says, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Now, 
people are always losing heart, but even Christians are losing heart. And so the, the, the command of Jesus' story there was that uh, that woman was fearful for all that could happen to her if someone didn't step in and intervene. And you mentioned fear, and Pastor Tony mentioned fear on Sunday night, if you recall. So really, Luke 18, what Pastor Tony shared in Matthew 5, and he talked about everyone's so afraid these days, afraid of everything. And then you mentioned, uh, you know, when you were talking about that sleepless night and, and from there in uh, 2 Timothy of uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And that is only possible when we are in the presence of Jesus. And that is only possible when we are in prayer and our hearts are committed and surrendered. You can't manufacture boldness. You know, the things that uh, I was, we were talking uh, at dinner tonight, uh, you know, I, I, we had talked a few times by phone and, and email, and you guys have been to Africa and actually uh, spent time there in Uganda. And, uh, and I was asking Bill, I said, you know, because for some reason I thought the whole building of the school was over the last three or four years. When did it start? Maybe 18 months ago? April 2014. It took $100,000 to build it. They had zero. Well, you had 10000 at that point. God provided the other 90000 to build it. There's people that have been saved for 30 years and have yet to do anything beyond just get to church. This guy's been saved since 2004. Micah got saved at like 2000. You guys saw, remember? What did he say? Like, it was only like 2007 or something like that. It was only a few years ago. Uh, you know, I know a pastor that got saved just uh, in 2008, and now he's passed. He got 2000, saved in 2008, and he's already passing our church. Winning a community to Christ. So God really could do far more. Uh, whatever we think our ceiling is, I guarantee it's a lot more if, uh, if our lives are really yielded. And so it's a privilege to have Bill here tonight. Uh, you, you'll find people around the country that, you know, may have more degrees than a Micah or more, you know, seminary degrees than Bill, but you won't find more of the Holy Spirit. That's the difference, because the Holy Spirit actually drives God's kind of results. Knowledge and information drives man's kind of results. And, uh, you know, I really do love, it is, it's a great thing to have deep uh, Bible scholars, but I tell you what, the first apostles, that's not who they were, was it? It was a bunch of fishermen that were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and they shook the whole world. And so here is Bill James from Southern California via Oregon, you know, didn't plan on being in Africa, first white man that that village has ever seen. And those 160 kids out there that you can take a look at, they are actually people that, you, you know every one of those kids, right? All 160. And Janice is what, she's 23 from Southern California. She lives with, Janice can tell you all about them. So, you know, you, we do support ministries like Compassion International. And we, we do Samaritan's Purse. And those are wonderful ministries. But these kids out there, you can actually literally know exactly what's going on with them. And, you know, the opportunity for to go to Uganda at some point and, and visit and help. Uh, you know, Patrick and Jenny had been there already earlier this year, right? Way back at the beginning of this year. So uh, great opportunities. We're going to close in prayer. Uh, take another, you know, as far as the men's prayer, we'll kind of tentatively start it over here around 8. The next 15 minutes or so, um, 
And actually, ladies, you can actually, for the first time, give men the front of the line, because they've got to come in here and, and pray. Uh, but you can give men the front of the line for once, and uh, you know, the ladies, you can actually mill out there and look at the kids, and, and you'll be like, I've got to adopt one of these. And it's okay, because Jesus was moved with compassion. So if you see, man, I really want to do this, you've got the opportunity. God will provide it. And, uh, and then there's a box out there if you want to give donations. Uh, what do they make checks out to just to Agents for Christ? And so all that will go to the ministry. There's a little box out there, and then you can sign up uh, if you want to sponsor one of the children at $30 a month, uh, roughly a dollar a day. Uh, but just uh, what a blessing to have Bill here tonight and the message he's been sharing around the country. And let's uh, close in prayer. Father, we thank you again for saving us, Lord. If we've forgotten the value of our salvation, forgive us. Lord, thank you for giving your blood and, and just coming and leaving your throne in heaven to die for uh, wretched, uh, self-centered individuals like us. And Lord, we thank you so much that not only uh, did you have compassion to save us, but Lord, you give us your Holy Spirit to help us to grow. And Lord, if we don't have a heart for people, I pray that you give us a heart for people. If we don't have the joy of our salvation, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't leave your feet until we receive it, that joy of our salvation. Lord, I pray that you deliver us from fear and give us faith to step out, whether it's just to serve and some ministry capacity here in Calvary Chapel or maybe step out and write a letter to a family member or something, Lord, that's beyond what, something you maybe have been uh, speaking to us about. Lord, we pray that you would just give us that faith, that faith like a child that will look at this Sunday that says, yes, Lord, I hear that it's you and just trust you with the results. I pray your blessing upon Pastor Bill, upon Don who's here, upon Janice, uh, Bill's wife back in Africa, uh, the other uh, pastoral staff there in Africa and the other that are uh, the teachers. I pray your blessing on all of the ministry. I pray that every one of those 160 kids come to know you as Lord and Savior. Pray that their families come to know you. Pray, Lord, that uh, those in the community, uh, those that even volunteered to help uh, level the ground for the tents, that they would come to know you as Lord and Savior. Lord, we just continue to see tremendous fruit uh, in Uganda for years to come. And, Lord, those that, uh, that are willing to, uh, to give, we pray you'd multiply the blessing uh, around the world. Uh, and, again, that we would actually be softer to your heart here. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. You are dismissed. Again, everything's out there in the fellowship area. And you can see uh, Bill and Janice and Don out there as well.